episode 208 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to recap what was a wild round one in the NFL draft. Going to take a look at all of the fantasy relevant moves, give our initial takes, and I mean, there are a lot of takes to be had after that round one. Yeah, there's way too many takes. They're um, flying on Twitter right now. Yeah, there there's going to be a lot of takes from now until the NFL season starts, where we have basically our initial reactions to everything that happened on draft day from blockbuster trades to, you know, a bunch of wide receivers going that are going to impact fantasy situations. So just... You know, ready to uh, get these takes off and have a nice conversation. Well, here's how I think we should do it. I think we should just go in order of the NFL draft and, and we'll stop at each situation that has fantasy relevance. You know, in terms of the top of the draft, you know, it, it was all defense, you know, defensive end, defensive end, defensive back, cornerback edge. You know, we get a couple tackles, but it really gets interesting around pick eight when the Atlanta Falcons selected Drake London. He was the first wide receiver off the board in a wide receiver heavy round one what are your initial reactions to drake london to the falcons should immediately step in and be their wide receiver one i mean outside of kyle pitts they've really got nothing in terms of pass catchers london enters into a situation ripe with opportunity drake london definitely is in one of the best situations out of the entire rookie class for sure in 2021 in terms of potential opportunity obviously the team environment is an overall concern with the Falcons being led by Marcus Mariota most likely in 2021 so the efficiency is a concern I think the touchdown upside is definitely a concern with Drake London but there should be plenty of targets for him He's really only competing with Kyle Pitts. You know, some other wide receivers in that offense are Auden Tate and Olamide Zacchaeus. Like, those guys are non-factors, obviously, and... Cordero Patterson should be a, a factor in, in the receiving game once again for the Falcons. So I think he's also competing a little bit with Patterson and Pitts. But yeah, one of the best spots that any wide receiver was going to go to. And they decided to go with Drake London, who we kind of uh, knew that this pick was going to happen. There was a bunch of smoke around Drake London going to the Falcons. So the, this was a pretty predictable selection for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been back to back years where they kind of broadcast their pick. You know, everybody knew that Pitts was going to be the pick last year. London is no surprise this year. I like this spot. You know, I'm looking at the Falcons as a team who's, you know, if you look at the uh, Vegas odds right now, their win total is at five. And to me, that says a lot of negative game scripts. This was a team with a top 10 pass rate last year. I know that you are of of the opinion that, that Marcus Mariota is a significant downgrade from Matt Ryan. I think that's probably true, but I just don't know if this team is going to be in a situation where they can help but pass the ball a lot. I don't know. London seems like he could very easily lead this core of incoming rookies uh in targets this year i think that's very realistic yeah i think him being a top of the class in terms of targets is definitely in the range of outcomes for sure i also think it's in the range of outcomes for the falcons to go more run heavy with marcus mariota as a starting quarterback in 2021 obviously he himself has rushing upside which will take away some pass attempts. The skill position players, they obviously re-signed Cordell Patterson. They have Mike Davis. We obviously have to see how the rest of the draft plays out. Uh, maybe they take a running back, which 
they have been linked a little bit to at least considering a running back in this draft. So we'll just have to see how that plays out. But I think just the quarterback downgrade to Mariota, I think the overall efficiency of the offense is going to be one of the worst in the NFL. And this is still going to be a bottom three, bottom four team in the NFL that should be drafting at the top of the NFL draft in 2023 once again. So just from an upside and ceiling perspective, I find it hard to believe that Drake London is going to hit his ceiling this year. In terms of floor, he's probably the highest floor rookie wide receiver pick that you can make in best ball for this year. Agreed, agreed. While we're on the subject of rookies who may struggle due to the offensive environment they find themselves in, two picks later after Drake London, the Jets select Garrett Wilson, making him the second wide receiver off the board. Pick 10, Garrett Wilson to the Jets. I think the targets may be a little bit harder to come by. Uh, The Jets do have a lot of pass catchers. Nobody who is necessarily an established alpha. Wilson should come in and maybe have the highest upside, but there are a lot of mouths to feed theoretically there in New York. Yeah, just in terms of potential opportunity, I think this is one of the worst spots that Garrett Wilson could have ended up in. I mean... Zach Wilson, I think a lot of people are projecting for him to take a leap and the Jets in general to take a leap as an offense. And you add Wilson into a core with, you know, Elijah Moore, who everybody loves as their uh, second year breakout wide receiver this year. He's being drafted relatively high. Corey Davis is still there, you know, an established veteran that showed a pretty solid chemistry with Zach Wilson last year when he was on the field. And then you obviously have Braxton Berrios, who they re-signed. Uh, your boy Denzel Mims is still on the roster. Uh, uh, obviously, he's not a factor. R.I.P. But, but yeah, they went out, signed C.J. Uzama and Tyler Conklin, two tight ends that can catch the ball. And they still have Michael Carter in the backfield, who is a pass-catching running back, right? So, like you said, there are a lot of miles to feed in this offense. Obviously, we don't know how much better this Jets offense is going to be in 2022. I think it will be better than last year, and I think Zach Wilson will improve, but I don't know if he's going to be good enough to support all of these guys in fantasy. So Wilson is a little bit lower on my rookie wide receiver rankings uh, that I just made up like 20 minutes ago. Yeah, um, I, I think I tend to agree with you. I mean, initially, I, actually, let's save it. We'll, we'll close out the show with our initial rankings. Um, but yeah, Wilson is definitely not number two for me the way he was drafted. Let's talk about the very next pick, though. Th- this one is really interesting to me. The New Orleans Saints traded up to get Chris Olave with the 11th pick. They've got Jameis Winston. They double down later in the draft, get some offensive line help, grab a tackle, Trevor Penning. And, you know, Olave finds himself with a lot of opportunity. They really only have Michael Thomas there, who hasn't played in quite some time. Their ancillary receivers, Deontay Harris, Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway, all non-factors. And they made a pretty sizable move to go up and get Olave. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? The Saints have been a team that has has been willing to make trades to move up and get their guys. We've seen it year in and year out. And, you know, obviously they feel very strongly that Olave was the wide receiver they wanted to get in this spot. Yeah, obviously after Wilson went off the board, they they felt like they, they had to make a move and get Olave before a potential receiver run started and you know they ended up getting him third out of the four wide receivers that went in those uh, five picks I I like this spot for Olave you know you and I aren't like 
rookie guys. Like, we don't know how good these guys are in terms of, like, talent and what they did in college and whatnot. But a lot of people had Olave as, you know, a top three, top two receiver in this class above, you know, Jameson Williams and, and Drake London. From what I know, he's a, you know, great route runner. He has pretty good speed, and I think he's going to come into a lot of opportunity for the Saints. And like you said, they're building around Jameis Winston. And we know that Jameis Winston has a ceiling in the NFL. You know, he led the NFL in passing yards however many years ago. And I still think he's capable of supporting multiple fantasy options. And like you said, they only have Michael Thomas. And even then, there's there's an out to Chris Olave literally only being the guy there if Michael Thomas continues on this downward path that he's been on for the last two years, right? So there's even more room for growth for Chris Olave if things break his way, which I don't think you could say for some of these other guys. So for that reason, I think Chris Olave personally is my number one wide receiver based on this landing spot and situation that he's in. And then, you know, if Kamara gets suspended too, they're they're only going to have MT and Olave to catch the ball in New Orleans. Yeah, and I mean, from a veteran perspective, you got to look at this as a big win for Jameis. You know, the the Saints don't end up going quarterback. They do get an explosive pass catcher, and they add some offensive line help. Like, this is definitely a clear sign that the Saints are willing to roll with Jameis. There's not going to be a quarterback battle. At least it doesn't seem likely with them not investing first-round draft capital. And, I mean, Jameis is going super late in best ball. You know, he's he's like a 14th, 15th round pick. So, I mean, with this supporting cast, Olave, Thomas, and potentially Kamara for the full year, maybe a large portion of the year. And I don't know, it, it could be wheels up for a, a Jameis Winston revival campaign in 2022. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I might I might be uh, right there with you. And obviously the, the concern is, will the Saints be like a run, a more run heavy team? And they have a new coach, obviously Sean Payton retired. So we're going to get a new look Saints team. So there's some uncertainty about how they're going to run their team. Just in terms of opportunity and quarterback play, I think Chris Olave is honestly like in the best spot for both out of these rookie wide receivers. I think personally he has the best quarterback out of the wide receivers that were drafted in in the first round. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And, you know, from a best ball perspective, I just finished Max entering the drafters pre-draft best ball championship, got my 150 in, and Olave was going fourth. You know, he was going behind London, Burks, and Wilson. I mean, I think that he probably gets the biggest ADP boost. We'll see. Um, a lot of big best ball news coming in, in the coming days here. But, you know, Olave, I think, is is going to get a sizable boost. I could see him, you know, directly flopping with Wilson, maybe rising, you know, up to 20 picks. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably likely is that Olave becomes like the wide receiver, too, in, in terms of rookies and best ball. All right. With the very next pick in the draft, the Detroit Lions traded all the way up to 12 from 32, move up 20 spots to secure Jamison Williams. Williams is coming off of an injury that he suffered in the college national championship game, so... You know, if you're looking at a timetable, Williams will not likely be ready, uh, you know, until maybe October, November, but 
He's an explosive playmaker, and I don't know, man, this really solidifies, I think, the pass-catching talent on the Lions. They're quietly one of the most explosive groups in the league at this point. Yeah, I mean, the Lions definitely have some players on offense, for sure. Obviously, Jared Goff being the quarterback hurts the upside of all of these guys, in my opinion. I think that they're content with just running with Goff for this year and looking to uh, find their future franchise quarterback in next year's draft where there's going to be a couple of them available or who knows Malik Willis is is still available maybe they make a move to take him in the second round and Desmond Ritter or Matt Corral are still available so who knows maybe they go after a quarterback in the second round and one of those guys becomes the starter and maybe they could support all these guys just in terms of Jamison I think I would just have him a little bit lower just because he is attached to Jared Goff and he's coming off an injury I think we could expect him to be back towards the end of October I think is a realistic return date the PUP list is definitely a possibility and a strong likelihood for Jameson Williams just so just for that reason I would be a little bit lower on him but he's definitely a guy that you could take in the seventh eighth round and hope that he comes back in the second half of the year and you know catapults you into the best ball tournament finals or, or whatever the playoff rounds and maybe you get a couple big weeks out of him then because because we, we know like just the type of player that he is his ceiling is going to be extremely high in the NFL no matter what team he's on. Yeah, I mean, his his player profiler comp is Will Fuller. He's 6'1", 180, and runs a 4'3". That's a 100th percentile score. You know, I mean, this dude is an absolute burner. Um, And, and I don't know, it kind of makes me bullish on Jared Goff, who is sometimes undrafted in these leagues. You know, you can get him in the 18th, 20th round. He's going to be throwing to Jamison, Hawkinson, Swift, Amon Ross, St. Brown, DJ Chark. Like, god damn. A lot of offensive firepower on a team that could be in quite a few negative game scripts this coming year. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just my my old Lions fandom creeping up, but I, I'm kind of bullish on this situation in general. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, th- I think the Lions are definitely in a good spot for the future, for sure. Really, the, the thing that I want to see is what I just mentioned is will they trade up for a quarterback at the top of day two and, you know, try and get a Malik Willis? I think they should. Honestly, like, fuck Jared Goff. Like, go out, get you a quarterback that fell. You know, some of these guys were mocked to go in the first round. Only one quarterback did and arguably wasn't even the best quarterback in the draft. So, screw it. Go out, go get Malik Willis is what I think the Lions should do tomorrow night. Would love to see that, to be honest. Now, following this Jamison Williams trade, the next impactful fantasy move comes from a veteran perspective. It was the first of two big trades to happen throughout the night involving veteran wide receivers. And what we see is the Ravens ship off Marquise Brown to be reunited with Kyler Murray, his college quarterback. They send Marquise Brown to Arizona. I don't know about this move. From a Ravens perspective, I don't think it makes much sense, Um, especially for them not to, you know, go back later in the round. Sky Moore was still available. They didn't go that route. And it, it seems like it leaves a pretty big gaping hole for the Ravens on offense with really only Rashad Bateman there now to catch passes. But Marquise Brown now is on the Cardinals. What are your reactions and how it impacts the Cardinals offense and, and the situation that it leaves behind in Baltimore? Yeah, so... 
definitely a surprising trade, but uh, somebody just tweeted that Hollywood actually requested a trade after the season ended, which nobody knew of, obviously. So they traded him to Arizona. Uh, So Hollywood actually reunites with his college quarterback in Kyler Murray. They both played at Oklahoma. So maybe that played a factor into this deal. I think that the Ravens were content on moving on from Hollywood because he probably isn't, you know, their long-term option at wide receiver. He's obviously, well, at least in my opinion, been a little bit underwhelming in his career so far. So they got a first round pick and a draft, another pick out of the deal for Hollywood, right? third round pick yeah so they got a first and a third for Hollywood and yeah I think it's a pretty solid deal for a player that has underperformed in his career and I think it's also a good pickup for the Cardinals after losing Christian Kirk to Jacksonville and they just re-signed AJ Green I believe so they're gonna trot out like AJ Green and D Hop and Hollywood Brown as their uh you know starting receiver core and the Rondale Moore dream is uh dead in my opinion absolutely dead yeah because like in my opinion like these two players are kind of the same I mean Hollywood is definitely more NFL caliber but like Rondale Moore he's 5'7 180 I don't see a use for him in the NFL so I mean the Rondale Moore dream is dead but I think it's a good move for Hollywood a uh, new situation, and, I, and then obviously Rashad Bateman's value is going to absolutely explode. Agreed. I mean, Bateman is a huge winner. I think I'm a little bit higher on Marquise Brown than you in general. I mean, last season, he started off on absolute fire. He was like the sixth wide receiver in fantasy points per game through the first nine weeks of the season. You know, he he was legitimately elite last year. I mean, we talked about it quite a bit on the podcast and just the fact that like from a DFS perspective, he wasn't getting priced in a way that matched his production. He was just every week, week in and week out, putting up a ton of fantasy points. And I don't know, I think we would maybe look at him a little bit differently if he was on an offense that was not always in the bottom five in terms of pass rate. Like he just made the most of the little bit of volume he was able to secure in an offense that wants to run the absolute fuck out of the ball. I think we could see him be unlocked in this spot, you know? I think he makes for a really solid wide receiver too, opposite of DeAndre Hopkins. He's obviously already got chemistry with Kyler Murray. You know, Marquise Brown was going around pick 66 in best ball this past month, going right around guys like Davis and Mooney. I definitely don't think this hurts It's uh, his value. I think it probably maintains because he's no longer the wide receiver one on his team, but he goes to a, a situation where there should be more pass volume. And, you know, this seems like a move that the Cardinals made to appease Kyler. There's been a lot of tension and they go out and get somebody that, you know, he's got a history with and that has been productive with him in the past. So... I don't know. I I really like this uh, for Marquise Brown and, you know, for the Ravens. I just, I just don't know, man. I just, Bateman is good, but is he going to be able to like shoulder the responsibility of being a team's leading wide receiver? Did we see that out of him last year? I mean, we definitely didn't see that out of him. And honestly, I just don't know if he's capable of that. Like, I don't, I'm not saying he's bad or good or anything. I just, I just literally don't know if he's going to become, you know, like a Justin Jefferson type guy. That seems like a stretch. I mean, it seems like a stretch to me that he is as good as Marquise Brown was as the the Ravens wide receiver one. I I would prefer Bateman. And obviously the Ravens agree. Just from the the type of archetype receiver that 
that Bateman is. I think he definitely profiles better as a wide receiver one. But I also agree with your statement that it's a better situation for Hollywood in Arizona as well because he doesn't have to have the pressure of being a wide receiver one in the NFL, which, like I said, we haven't seen him live up to that, in my opinion, in his career. You know, he was drafted to be the wide receiver one of the Ravens and Yeah, he had a good start to last year, and injuries impacted everything. But prior to that, um, he was definitely an inconsistent player, and now he doesn't have the responsibility of being, you know, the leading target in a passing attack. That's going to be DeAndre Hopkins. Um, So I think this situation benefits both Hollywood and Rashad Bateman. I think Bateman's price is going to get a little too high. So I probably yeah. will not have much Bateman depending on his new ADP just because of that uncertainty. But I know the the fantasy community is fully erect right now for Rashad Bateman. And I think they all think he's going to become the next Jamar Chase or, or something like that. So I don't think I have my bar set that high. I mean, God, if that's the asking price, I'm going to be incredibly low on Bateman. I mean, he was going at pick 104, sort of in this crop of guys that included Chase Claypool, Christian Kirk, Russell Gage. I mean, if he shoots up to that Juju, Allen Robinson, Gabe Davis, Marquise Brown range, I'm going to be out. I'll tell you that. Does Mark Andrews flip Travis Kelsey and become the tight end one in fantasy? Wasn't he the tight end one last year? He was. He was. But he's not being drafted like it right now. I mean, he's going a full round behind Kelsey. I don't know if Hollywood leaving really impacts Mark Andrews that much. I mean, maybe. But I think think there's a strong possibility that the Ravens uh, select a wide receiver on day two. They currently have the 13th pick in the second round. I think they'll be content, you know, trouting out Rashad Bateman and let's say like Sky Moore or, or somebody like yeah. that uh, in the second round or or Mechie or, or whomever, George Pickens, if he's there. I, I think they're going to go that route. Yeah, I, I definitely think they have to do something um, to supplement the loss of Brown. They or can't just feed Bateman. hear me out, they're going to sign Antonio Brown, Hollywood Brown's cousin. And my Antonio Brown early best ball shares – are going to go to the fucking moon. I don't think they're related. I mean, look look at... They are related. What? They are related. I don't know if you're trolling me right now. Hollywood and Antonio are related. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. I'm not trolling. Yes, they are related. But anyways... That blew my mind. Antonio Brown is... uh, Just a quick side note. Antonio Brown's definitely going to have a job after how how these rookie wide receiver draft played out. But that's neither here nor there. All right. I'm still recovering from that news, man. But, you know, speaking of, you know, these Browns, right? Uh, Marquise Brown's got to be pretty tight to, you know, go on Twitter, search Brown traded NFL draft and not be anywhere near the top 1000 tweets because moments after Marquise Brown gets traded, AJ Brown gets traded in the most shocking news of the night goes to the Philadelphia Eagles becomes the new wide receiver one for Jalen Hurts. And I absolutely love this move for Philly. A little bit confused on the Tennessee side, which we'll get to shortly. It didn't take them much time to find A.J. Brown's heir apparent. But from a Philly perspective, I mean, Jalen Hurts, top five fantasy quarterback, locked and loaded. A.J. Brown to Philly, what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, obviously it's a great pickup for 
Philly. Fantastic. Just going out and getting an alpha wide receiver one to pair with Devontae Smith, you know, after you've had some some bad process picks at the wide receiver position in recent years for the Eagles. I think they definitely righted that wrong and, you know, just surround Jalen Hurts with as much talent as possible and see if it works out in his third year. My only concern is will they continue to be as run heavy as they were over the last half of the season in 2021 Uh, I think we'll have to wait and see on that they were one of the more run heavy teams in the NFL you know after like that week seven game and they had success and they ended up making the playoffs because they switched philosophies on offense so just in terms of his upside I don't like I don't know is it a better situation than Tennessee like I I don't know I don't know if it is is it like I think it's like a lateral move in terms of situations I think it's a lateral move for AJ Brown. I don't think that his value yeah, necessarily changes. I don't think I'm taking him any lower. I, I would knock. This. I would knock him a little, a little bit. Probably a couple picks. Like, you would you take you know Mike Evans, T Higgins, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins ahead of him? Those are the three guys going think, behind him. I think all of those guys should be above AJ to me at least. Because like obviously he's still a good. He's he's a great player, but. The Titans did not throw the ball a lot last year. They were 31st in terms of pass rate, so it can't get worse, right? Yeah, only when you go to the team that was uh, 32nd in pass rate, <laughs> right? I get, yeah. Hey, but but they... Yeah, they, it, it can, I think it could get a little bit worse. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. But. No, he's got to get knocked a little bit. It's a lateral move, but Jalen Hurts is probably a worse thrower of the football than Ryan Tannehill. So you got to knock him a little bit, but he's still a great player. So you still got to draft him. You still got to draft him high. His upside is very high, but it's a lateral move. Let's be real. I mean, it's a right, great real all life. All move. Right. That, that, that's fair. That's fair. But what I will say is that Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert is where the list ends of quarterbacks that I would take ahead of Jalen Hurts in fantasy right now. Sheesh. Uh, Maybe Kyler. I, I, th- I think I think I think Kyler and Jalen Hurts are somewhere between four and five. I think that Lamar falls and Joe Burrow was going too high as it was. I mean, Joe, yeah, Joe Burrow's are going too high, but personally, I don't think you can put Hurts above Lamar just because Lamar is so much better than Jalen Hurts. Like he's he's better in every aspect as a thrower as a rusher, everything. So I don't think you can have Hurts above Lamar. Kyler, maybe. That's a conversation. I think QB6 would be fair for Hurts. But it's not like he was being drafted as like a, you know, a QB2. Like he's what, going as a QB8? 11. QB9 right now? 11. Oh, sheesh. 11's way too low. He's going behind Stafford, Dak, Russ, Brady. Like, I mean, he instantly is ahead of all those guys for me. He was ahead of a couple of those guys as it was for me. Yeah, like I said, the only concern is that the Eagles became just a run-the-football offense, which obviously we want our quarterbacks to run, but we also need our quarterbacks to get there in terms of passing, especially to hit their ceiling and upside. Uh, So if... Jalen Hurts isn't throwing the ball a ton, which obviously could change with A.J. Brown there now. But if they continue their philosophy from the end of last year, I think there's a case to be made that Jalen Hurts is probably behind the the top guys like Lamar, Kyler, 
etc. I, I feel comfortable, and I'm going to be standing on this point for for quite some time. I mean, he averaged slightly more fantasy points. I mean, almost neck and neck with Lamar Jackson, but you know, he he was neck and neck in what he was able to do versus what Lamar was able to do in points per game last season. Enter AJ Brown. Lamar Jackson loses Marquise Brown. I don't know, man. I, I I'm ready to be all in on Jalen yeah. Hurts. We'll see if it pays I mean, off. I will. I will be too. So. I'm right there with you. From a Titans perspective, the corollary move that they made was selecting Traylon Burks, who, you know, some people compared in in some ways to AJ Brown. It's an interesting move for the Tennessee Titans. I think you're a little bit higher on Burks than I am initially. You've you've convinced me in our little pre-pod conversation about these guys, but I mean, tell me why you're high on Traylon Burks. Arkansas wide receiver who was selected by the Titans at pick 18 as the apparent replacement for AJ Brown. Yeah, I think Traylon Burks, just in terms of opportunity, is, you know, probably top two in this class. Obviously, you lose AJ Brown, but you go on to the second heaviest rushing team in the NFL that also did lose Derrick Henry, which you uh, mentioned to me prior, and that definitely played a factor in. Uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill attempting more passes than he probably would have last year. Uh, so the the rush rate probably could have even been higher than it was. But there's just nobody there to catch the ball. Derrick Henry isn't going to catch the ball, right? He's going to get a lot of work, and the offense is going to run through him, but he's not going to catch the ball. Robert Woods is dealing with a torn ACL and still a wait-and-see game whether or not he's going to be ready to go week one. And besides Woods, who else do you have on the offense of note? Literally nobody. Austin and Traylon Burks. <laughs> shout out Austin <laughs> Hooper. <laughs> and Traylon Burks, he was productive at Arkansas in the SEC, put up 1,100 yards last year, you know, 10 touchdowns, I think, or 11 touchdowns. So he was a productive wide receiver. I think his stock tanked because of his – pro day or combine whatever his athletic profile is why he dropped but I want to say prior to that Burks was regarded as you know a top one top two wide receiver in this class and he's just coming into a lot of opportunity and he also has some of the best quarterback play out of these rookie wide receivers so I think Burks at the minimum, has to be at least everybody's rookie wide receiver three. And I think the top three, if you've been listening, would be London, Olave, and Traylon Burks. And I think people are just going to put them in the order that they prefer. Personally, I would have my order as Olave one, Burks two, Drake London three for fantasy football. Yeah, I... I agree that Olave should be one. I think London and Burks is an interesting conversation, and and we'll see how the rest of the draft— It's a coin toss, honestly. Yeah, I mean, because I think London probably gets more targets, probably gets more catches, but the touchdown upside is significantly less on the Falcons than it is uh, for for Burks on the Titans. So, you know, I guess it'll just sort of come down to how many touchdowns does Burks get? You know, how does does variance swing for him in year one? Yeah, and I mean, he's 6'3", 225, A.J. Brown, 6'1", 225. A.J. Brown, obviously, 24 touchdowns in, in his career with the Titans, five last year. 11 the the year before, 8 is rookie year. So I think there is some touchdown upside with the Titans. And yeah, they they might not be a great team, but they're a competitive team. 
and they go to the red zone a lot, and the Titans score touchdowns. The Falcons just aren't going to score a lot of touchdowns in 2022. It's just that simple, for me at least. So I think that's why I would give the edge to Traylon Burks because I think the opportunity is going to be relatively the same, and I think that's going to be the consensus across the industry is that the target uh, opportunity and potential is going to be relatively the same on both of these teams, but the quarterback play is better for Burks. The touchdown upside is better for Burks, and the offensive efficiency will be better on the Titans rather the Falcons. So I think, honestly, the consensus will be Burks above London. And, and personally, I think that's correct. Yeah, um, I, I think that you're probably correct in that. Michael Leone, who is sort of like the director of uh, analytics for Establish the Run and does, you know, a big bulk of all their projections, tweeted out sort of, you know, the perfect uh, thing on, on Traylon Burks. He said, it's the nut landing spot for targets with A.J. Brown shift and quarterback play should be more efficient than what London gets in Atlanta. He followed that up projecting that Burks gets the most targets out of all these rookie wide receivers. So uh, I do agree with you that that will probably be the prevailing sentiment uh, around these rookie wide receivers, and it's probably a likely outcome for Burks. I just realized that we completely skipped over Jahan Dotson, uh, who went with pick 16 to the Washington Commanders. God, that that was hard. I almost said football team and then I couldn't remember commanders. But yeah, Jahan Dotson to the commanders with the 16th pick coming out of Penn State. I don't I don't know. This this is the least exciting wide receiver pick in in the first round, in my opinion. How do you feel about Dotson? You know, he he enters a situation where he's probably the wide receiver two behind Terry McLaurin catching passes from Carson Wentz. They've still got Gibson and McKissick there who should catch passes. They've got Curtis Samuel there who should catch passes. It it seems like a spot where there may not be that many targets to go around and there should be some shaky quarterback play from Carson Wentz as well. Jahan Dotson, pick 16 to the commanders. Your thoughts? Yeah, I I don't really like the selection for Washington. I think it's I think it's just a reach because the the consensus was that Dotson was a late first early second round pick and they took him, you know, directly in the middle of the draft or in the middle of the first round. So, just from a value perspective, I feel like they reached on him. From a fantasy perspective, I think everything that you mentioned is a concern. Quarterback play is going to be shaky with Carson Wentz and there's a lot of competition for targets with Scary Terry, Curtis Samuel, Gibson, Logan Thomas is going to come back from his injury. Uh, J.D. McKissick decided to uh, bandage ship on, in Buffalo and go back to Washington. So there's a lot of pass catchers in the offense. This is definitely the least exciting rookie option out of the first round. And, you know, I'm probably not going to have much interest in uh, Jahan Dotson this year, which which is unfortunate because I drafted Dotson a good bit out of the teams that I uh, drafted in the early best ball championship. And I think this is one of the worst landing spots that he could have ended up at. Um, just the hope with him was that a team like the Packers or Chiefs would take him in the late first, but he got reached on. So just unfortunate. Yeah. He's my sixth highest owned player out of, <laughs> uh, 
yeah, that's a that's a tough scene. I have twenty percent Jahan Dotson in this best ball tournament on drafters. That's I mean, he was free, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, you know, my, my average ADP was one fifty seven, so I'm not mad at that. You know, he was a thirteenth round pick, uh, still got first round draft capital, should be involved in the offense. I wouldn't be shocked if he, you know, was able to jump Curtis Samuel and sort of establish himself as the wide receiver too. Samuel hasn't been effective in quite some time, but who knows? It's it's just not the best spot for Dotson. You kind of nailed it. Like the reason I was drafting him was just like, all right, everyone thinks he's going at the back end of the first Packers or Chiefs. I'll, I'll take my shot at either one. And and they both had two. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they had four of the last twelve picks, and they didn't even go receiver. <laughs> yeah, neither team did. Just, um, just. That's Truly unfortunate um, landing spot and and for, you know, two of the better landing spots in the NFL to have not found a wide receiver like we were all hoping. I guess we'll see what happens in days two and three. The last fantasy relevant pick that was made came at pick 20 when the Pittsburgh Steelers took the first and only quarterback to come off the board in the first round. Surprisingly, was not Malik Willis, who everybody had sort of speculated would be going to the Steelers. Instead, it was Kenny Pickett. I don't have a, you know much of a take on this. I don't know. What do you think about Kenny Pickett? Is he going to be a year one starter? Is this going to be Trubisky's job to start the year and he will inevitably be replaced? Or is Pickett going to redshirt his freshman year? I mean, what do you think about Kenny Pickett to the Steelers at pick 20? It was a surprise that they went with Pickett over Willis, at least to me. Maybe people that cover the Steelers you know, expected Pickett to be the guy. I don't know, but I think Willis was the correct pick and they, they fumbled the bag. You know, maybe Pickett works out. Who knows? Just in terms of fantasy, I don't see the upside there. I don't think he's going to have a hard time beating out uh, Mitchell Trash Biscuit mm-hmm. because boy. he is trash. It's uh, in the name. But I don't, I don't know. I just don't really have an opinion on on Kenny Pickett, to be honest. This quarterback class sucks. You know, I think this is just a, a wait and see. Like, we're, we're going to have to just wait till he gets on the field and then we'll see what we have out of out of Kenny Pickett and whether he, he could produce or not. But I have literally no takes about him or what he's going to do in fantasy if he starts. Yeah, you know, we'll see because as is often the case, and we talked about this a lot over the past couple of episodes, it's like these guys will get inevitably pushed up just based on having landing spots, despite the fact that we all knew that they were going to be getting landing spots. Like, uh, you're all getting landing spots on April 28th, 29th, whatever. And, and, you know, does this boost his ADP? I'm not sure whether or not it does, but Kenny Pickett was going largely undrafted or you could get him in the 20th round of a best ball draft and you know I think that you know a guy who should have some rushing upside is a little bit interesting it's not like the Steelers are devoid of weapons they've got a solid solid run game with Najee Harris and they've got a ton of really strong pass catchers with you know headed up by Claypool Deontay and Pat Fryermuth. so I kind of like this for Kenny Pickett, I I think he's a bit of an upside pick, especially if you're, you know, playing on a site like, say, Underdog, where, you know, he doesn't need to start the whole year as your QB3 comes in at the end of the season and maybe makes a run during the playoff week. So 
I don't know. I would be willing to take a shot on him depending on how high his ADP rises from this. If people are looking at it and, you know, just sort of assuming that, you know, Trubisky's going to get the start, um, which he, he likely will. But if they think he's going to hold on to the job all year, can't see that happening. I mean, the second Trubisky signed, we said, you know, he's probably going to start and he'll be okay. And then he'll inevitably reveal himself to be bad like we know he is and he'll get replaced. And the fact that they took a quarterback first off the board, uh, can he pick it with pick 20? I think that that just, you know, cements that as the future. Uh, Biscuit will get benched and at some point we'll see Kenny Pickett this year and he has the talent around him to be productive if, you know, he's got it. And that's just sort of the question that I don't know the answer to is, you know, how good he is. Yeah, I definitely agree with everything that you said that that situation is literally going to play out to a T. Like, Trash Bisky, he's going to come in and start, like you said, and then he's going to get benched, and then we're going to see Kenny Pickett. And obviously, in today's age of the NFL, there there's more, like, pressure uh, around coaching staffs to start their young quarterback. So, we see it a lot now uh, that these rookie quarterbacks get pushed into the starting job pretty often and early in the season. Um, so I don't think a redshirt year is, is in the cards for Pickett. If, uh, if Mitch sucks, Pickett's coming in and then we'll just have to wait and see if he can support, uh, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and some, some of the other pass catchers, you know, Friar Muth, et cetera. So. I, I definitely think you're right. The only thing I would push back on a little bit is usually there's more pressure because the teams that are selecting these quarterbacks are usually taking them at the, you know, the top of the first, usually they're God awful teams. And there's a lot of pressure. Like, I don't think that Mike Tomlin has any yeah. job security questions. Yeah. Like if he, if he wants to sit him for this entire year and Trubisky flames out, it's not like he's going to get fired. Like he'll, he'll be fine. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, I, I, I should have said that, but I think there there won't be pressure from the front office. I think there would be pressure from the fan base. Yeah, no, and, absolutely. And, like, clam- and clamoring from the Steelers fan base, which is a passionate fan base in the NFL. If Mitch comes out and sucks the first two games, you already know they're going to be going crazy saying that Kenny Pickett should be the starter. Mm-hmm. And then I think they'll be forced into making a change. Yep, definitely, definitely. I I could see that happening 100%. And, and yeah, I mean, that about sums it up. No running backs taken, no tight ends taken. I think that was pretty predictable. A uh, couple of wide receivers with some interesting names that I'm, I'm assuming are going to go at the top of the second round. We'll see about that. Uh, you know, Mechie, Watson, Sky Moore, Pickens. Uh, definitely some playmakers still to be taken. Unfortunately, Joey, it's going to be like a hot week before we get back to uh, analyzing the rest of this draft. Shit is caked, bruh. Somebody decided to plan the vacation right around like one of the biggest uh, NFL weeks uh, of the offseason. I won't say who. I mean, (laughs) it wasn't me. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I can I neither confirm nor deny didn't, that. Pl- I didn't bring up the idea of going on vacation. That was not me. I just said the timeshare that I have would be this week, and they said, let's go. But then everything got <laughs> fucked up. So that shit is chalk. But we're still going either way. So like Ben said, we won't have new content out, especially after the second round of the draft. You know, we're recording this right after the draft ended. Uh, 
and obviously we're on the East Coast, so it's fucking late. Hell um, yeah. It's mad late, and I still got a pack, bro. I mean, we got to be at the airport yeah, in like 12 hours. Chalk. Oh, my God. All right. Nah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no new episodes, uh, but we'll definitely tweet, and these day two wide receivers are, are going to fly off the board, in my opinion. With Sky Moore, you know, John Mechie, David Bell, Jalen Tolbert. Uh, George Pickens, all these guys are going to go. So we're definitely going to tweet about it. But yeah, no new podcasts, no new videos, nothing for like a week or so. So we apologize, guys. But once we return, it is going to be all gas, no breaks for the next four months. We are going to be going best hard. Ball. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, and, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that on the next episode. But yeah, I mean, there there is going to be a lot of money to be made in best ball this off season. And we are going to be grinding every edge for you guys, trying to find the best ways to get our piece of it. And that's going to be it for episode 208 of the DFS dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS dose. We will be tweeting out our reactions to days two and three of the NFL draft. You can also follow our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey carrying DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on in the podcast or simply just interact with us, you can join our Discord for free. Link to do so is in the show notes to the podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.